Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. This is Another Bottle Down, and my name is Mark Rayshap. We talk about wine and the wine industry once a week or sometimes twice a week if we have a lot of interviews. And we talk with wine personalities, sommeliers, restaurateurs, and always try to unveil something educational in the wine world or something that y'all should really be uh, knowing about and have on your radars. Today is all about Washington State wine. I was really, really honored to have in the studio Steve Warner, who is the president and CEO of the Washington State Wine Commission. And that is the trade organization that essentially represents all Washington wines. And we're, we're right at around uh, 900 and, and counting. Steve will talk more about that. So many interesting things going on. We get into a lot of really great discussion about where the industry is right now, the sub-AVAs, and what they are doing to either brand themselves or play with their history and their legacy or rally around certain grape varieties. I find that business side of uh, branding a region incredibly interesting, and and Steve has his finger on the pulse of that, so I know you're going to really enjoy that. He also provides some really interesting data to compare Washington State with other regions from around the world, particularly Napa and Bordeaux, in uh, in terms of temperatures, in terms of uh, precipitation and, and water. So uh, he, he does just an amazing job putting Washington State in perspective. Uh, before we get going, a couple quick plugs. I am doing a tasting at the Wine and Food Foundation, a really interesting educational uh, tasting called Guess How Old I Am. On February 21st, there will be two seatings, one at four and one at six, and we'll be tasting eight wines, essentially blind and uh, of varying ages. So you won't know what the wines are or what the ages are, uh, and I'll uh, essentially guide the attendees through uh, your various ways of thinking about older wine and what wine does as it ages. So that's going to be a not-to-miss one uh, class that I'm doing at the Wine and Food Foundation. Also, Toast and Roast is coming up. That is probably my favorite uh, wine event in the Austin area that focuses on Texas wine. It's February 25th at the Stonehouse Villa, so it's out in the Hill Country. It's beautiful. It's an amazing venue for this. It uh, the the event takes Texas Monthly's top picks for the year uh, and features those wines uh, along with top restaurants. And this year, there's going to be more food and more wine than ever. And the Texas Monthly list, if you're not familiar with it, it's basically the seminal critics list. Jessica Dupuis does that, and uh, it's the seminal list for Texas wine to know who's uh, the mover and shaker in Texas wine. So this is an opportunity to taste the best that Texas has to offer. Um, I hope you really enjoy these events, and I hope you enjoy our discussion with Steve Warner. The Washington State Wine Commission was created in 1987 uh, by growers and winemakers in the state of Washington, and and our mission is uh, very clear. It's two things. It's to advance the awareness of Washington State wine, and therefore the demand, and also um, to uh, invest in viticulture knowledge research so that we can grow better grapes and make better wine, and it's research that's available to everybody. Um, the interesting thing about our situation is that you, you have to be a member. Right. There's no choice. So uh, every winery pays about um, 14 cents a case of wine. So um, 
a little bit more with the research piece, but all told, a thousand case winery would pay about $190. And the concept there is that as Washington wine gains awareness, it benefits everybody. So so everybody should pay a little bit into the pot. Exactly. Right? I mean, yeah. and it's and it's it's basically if, as you grow, you pay more. If you you know if you have a hundred case winery, you pay very little, and and for the benefits that you get. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I, and I have to actually applaud your website and that research piece on your website. It's fantastic. There, I love how you make it accessible to journalists, media, and and the public as to what is going on in in the state, and you don't have to go through you know a, a university press or something like that. Yeah. So it, it's wonderful to see that, and, and the website is a great resource. So Washington Wine. Dot org. org, yeah. Okay, great. And uh, no, we're really proud of that. That's um, a, a somewhat recent addition to our website. And we just really believe that research in viticulture and enology is a strategic imperative going forward. And and all the research priorities are actually established by the wineries and by the growers. So we're so what studying, do they need? What exactly, do they really need? They're telling yeah. us what they need now and what they think they might need in the future. Yeah. And then we carve out about 25% of our budget to make sure that we fully fund it. And we have um, the newest, uh, most technologically advanced wine science center in the world with the uh, WSU Wine Science Center. Yeah. Does every state or wine region kind of have that commitment to research? Uh, to me, it seems a little bit uh, like Washington is, is kind of doing it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, to varying degrees, I bet they all do. Okay. Um, but I like to believe that we do it right. I mean, we it's one of our top priorities. It's one of our four strategic pillars. Uh, we're going to continue to, um, by creating this $23 million facility, and by attracting these world-class researchers from all around the world, these guys are from all over the world, right. we're going to turn out research that is applicable for everybody and also hopefully retain some talent in yeah. the state, uh, both on the academic side and also in the vineyards and, and wineries. Right, because, uh, and that's an important point, that the industry as a whole kind of grows up together, whereas, you know, previously or t- 20 years ago, you if you wanted to study wine, you had to go to California, and then you probably stayed in California, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. So it's wonderful. Well, even, I mean, worst case scenario, people go there, they get a tremendous education, the research comes out, and they go out, and, you know, my goal someday, I know it's a little cheesy, but, you know, when I first started in the wine business, you said, when you said you went to UC Davis, people kind of went, ooh, yeah. you know, you, you must really know your stuff. <laughs> Right. Uh, I want someday for people who leave, go through that program at WSU and come out, people to say, ooh, you went to WSU. You know, that's a world-class program. Well, I see more professors at WSU on really important projects and and papers that are coming out, uh, you know, along with Bordeaux and Adelaide and and, and those things. So I I really root for you to keep on, uh, keep up the good work on on that. It's a wonderful thing. Um, So, so. As being part of the, you know, the president of the commission, how, give us a, an idea. Everybody pays in. How many wineries are there? Give us an, a, a cross-section as to uh, how many wineries and, and also growers, because they're not always the same, right? Right, right. Yeah. So we have about 900 wineries. So uh, we've been adding wineries every year, even yeah. through the recession, as far back as we've been counting. Um, we still have this this um, wild west mentality where people are going out there and starting wineries. The vast majority of them are small wineries. Yeah. Uh, What's small? A, What's small? Um, well, if you use five thousand cases as a cutoff, I I bet you uh, I haven't looked at the most recent data, but around eight hundred and sixty of the eight of the nine hundred wineries would be considered a small winery. Wow. And that break point is um, usually the point where you need to hire full time people or make additional capital investments. Under that, it's usually a, a, a 
couple of buddies or a husband and wife or and then volunteers and, and friends and, and volunteers and friends and and seasonal work for harvest and and that um tasting room work that sort of thing but it, it's um a lot of small wineries now that's a really interesting place for an industry to be i'd like you to kind of develop that a little bit because uh i think it gains a lot of credibility whereas like you're, you're following your passion and you're just making it happen but then sometimes it's also um, it, it can be a detriment because you can't do everything yourself, mm-hmm. right? So it's, right. it's kind of a it's kind of a hard place to be. But I think the fact that Washington is known for just premium wine is, is kind of the first step there. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's really driven our growth. I mean, you look at uh, just picking a single data point. Wine Spectator, for example, they review fourteen thousand to twenty thousand wines each year, yeah. and at the end of each year, they publish a summary. And so the year in wine. It's a real easy way for us to kind of compare ourselves apples to apples, so to speak, uh, versus the world. And over the last eight years, Washington State has had the highest average of 90-plus rated wines. And that more than France, Italy, Spain, California, Oregon, um, nearly half of the wines reviewed were 90 points or higher. And better yet, those same 90-point rated wines, the average price was $44 compared wow. to California, which was, I think, 72 and then France, which was in, in the 90s. Wow, so tremendous yeah. value for, for, for your dollar. And even and, and when we say value, it's hard to, to uh, sometimes talk about that. There's value at any price point, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's what um, makes Washington wine accessible yeah. is, uh, you know, you look on some wine lists and you see a, a three, $350, $400 bottle of wine and... Uh, you're, you know, you're not always going to be going out for that one, but you see a reasonably priced, you know, $40, $50 bottle of, of cab yeah. that you know is from Washington. You know it's 90 points. or I mean, it's a good value. It's, it's great. Mm-hmm. And that even goes back to, um, and this may uh, further describe our, um, not home winemaker, but, but the artisanal winemaker, the grape prices are not as much as uh, in California. So it's almost, uh, there's a lower uh, bar of entry to where if you wanted to start making wine, and 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 get your first two tons, you, you could kind of do that, right? Oh, is that what you say? Yeah. 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 Well, I, I mean, it's probably not even fair to compare land prices in Napa to Washington, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, there is a there's a big variable there, right? That that margin. Right. Uh, you can get a an acre of land in Washington for ten thousand to thirty thousand dollars an acre, roughly. Um, your wow. fruit will cost around fifteen hundred to upper end five thousand dollars a ton. So you're right. You can go out and you can buy a couple of tons and you can buy some cooperage. I mean, you can you can do it. It's it's people can do it and they don't have to be millionaires right. like in some other areas. Because I know in Napa, I mean, land goes for, you know, uh, 300,000 to a million dollars an acre, those sorts of things. So you have to, and to give perspective. Uh, yeah. And, you know, there's been a lot of press around some of the most expensive fruit. Uh, in Napa being in the $30,000 a ton range instead of that five max. That's incredible. (laughs) And in in the the relationship, I I mentioned the 900 wineries, we have about 350 growers. And it's a a really unique, we don't have a lot of estate vineyards in Washington. So an estate, describe that a little bit more for people who don't know. Basically, the the wineries don't own their own vineyards. So the winery's not in the vineyard for the most part. Right. Um, what is your more likely scenario is that uh, you want to be a winemaker. We're going to start Mark's Wine Company. Uh, you go out and you talk to all the different vineyardists, you know, the guys like um, uh, Dick Boucher or, you know, the, really, I mean, you can go and t- approach any of them, talk to them and say, hey, can I get a ton of Grenache Blanc for you, from you next year? And they'll sell it to you. And not only that, 
um, you they'll crop it differently because yeah. the relationship between the winemaker and the grower is very solid. And it, it's not uncommon to walk through a vineyard and see different wineries' names on the end of each vineyard. And even though they're both cab, they look completely different because they're being farmed differently. Wow. So the, the grower, even though there's only 350 growers or so, uh, they have so many different variables that, that, that they tailor each to each winery that buys their fruit. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Um, do you think that that... I'd like to to get your perspective. Does that come from the history of Washington State? Now, uh, Washington State is almost built on this uh, this history of home winemakers. The Associated Vintners originally started out as a group of professors from University of Washington, and they just started buying grapes, and they wanted to compete on a world stage in the 60s, right? Right, right. Yeah, and then that carries over to this small winery concept. Yeah, it just, it, it and not only in, in wine, but also beer, I think we're the number two producer of beer in the U.S., um, I think we're number one for craft distilleries. Wow. It's, it's just a very uh, much, uh, I mentioned the Wild West, Go West yeah. mentality, artisanal. Um, you know, in eastern Washington, a lot of people, they think of Washington and they think it's rainy and cold and wet all the time. Let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that Wild West uh, feel. What what paint the picture of Washington if if, if the listeners think that that it's rainy and, and whatnot? Yeah. So if you start on the on the Pacific Coast, right. um, you're you'll you you'll, the wind and the weather comes in off the Pacific Ocean and it, it slams into the Olympic Mountain Range. So up there, they get about 240 inches of rain per year, 220 inches. So wow. you remember uh, Twilight, for example, the movie uh, in Twilight? They lived in Forks, which is <laughs> where all that rain right. falls. Well, the the clouds and the weather that make it over the Olympics settle into the Seattle Puget Sound Basin and because uh, the Cascades make another uh, kind of backstop right. for the clouds that make it over the where Olympics. Where the water just dumps right there. Where, and then we get about 40 inches of rain in Seattle. Um, mm-hmm. But what happens is the majority can't make it over the Cascade Mountains, which is a, 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 an enormous volcanic chain. And so it's because of this rain shadow effect, we have only have seven inches of rain in eastern Washington and on average over the last five years. Wow. I just looked at the data myself. And just to put that in comparison, yeah, when you look at other wine-producing regions in the world like Bordeaux or Napa, um, they get significantly more rainfall. And uh, it, it really does matter when you're trying to dial in um, – the irrigation and manage your crops and manage your fruit and manage your yield, having that ability to not have to worry about too much rain yeah. is is pretty pretty significant. Also, when you have less water that's that's you know coming from the sky and dumping, you have less humidity and then less disease pressure, right? Is that exactly. is that true? And and that's another aspect of of eastern Washington. Three hundred days of sunshine. Right, yeah. So we get that. We have this huge diurnal shift. Um, on average in July over the last five years was 35 degrees. So the difference between the daytime high and the nighttime low. And it has been as much as 50 degrees. Wow. So you get these massive diurnal shifts. You get very low humidity. And what, is that, what does that diurnal shift do for the fruit and for the wine finally? But why is that important? Well, all the, all the wine pros always tell me it helps with the uh, phenolics and the acidity. Yeah. Uh, it really helps... Um, the natural city of the wines come in. And I was just looking, and, and uh, in comparison, Columbia Valley has seven inches uh, per year over the last five years. Wow. Napa had 17.2, and Bordeaux had 22.7. Wow. So w- when you have that small amount of rain, you can use d- drip irrigation 
to stress the plant however you need to to produce the best fruit. Right, right. Cool. And there's there's a, a lot of research that's going on with that uh, as well, which is really, really fun. Um, does, is, is our water rights with that little problem, are water rights ever an issue? Well, there's, that's probably a limiting factor to why, I mean, the AVA, the Columbia Valley AVA is 11 million acres. Yeah. And it's just huge. Wow. Um, we have under Vine about 55,000 acres. So we, we could probably within... Available, aerated, or irrigated, I should say, um, uh, available land, we could maybe go up to 200,000 acres. The reason we can't go much further than that is for exactly what you said. It's, okay. it's water rights. The, the good thing is that with that Cascade Mountain Range, we get a lot of snow in the winter. Yeah. We get a really solid snowpack. As a matter of fact, uh, Mountain Baker, which is one of the volcanoes in that Cascade volcanic chain, still has the world record for the most snowfall on wow. a mountain. And, uh, great for the skiers and, and yeah. great to replenish the water table. Exactly. <laughs> and the, the reservoirs fill up and, it, and we've had, uh, we've been blessed, yeah. uh, truly blessed with the amount of um, snow we've gotten in the mountains. And that carries us through. And as you know, wine grapes need very little I was just going to say yeah. that 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 when we have a, you know not a whole lot of water, wine is is perfect, and, and grapes are perfect for yeah. that. Um, I want to go back to you mentioned fifty five thousand acres. I want to put that into perspective for folks because um, so the entire state fifty five thousand acres, and Napa last I saw was right at around forty five thousand. So so kind of just a little bit more than and Napa is only one one region in California, and and that's all of Washington State. Wow, that's right. Yeah. So we. You you know, it's funny. It's um, we're the the big little brother, so to speak. I mean, <laughs> right. we're we're number two. Um, I think we're double Oregon, double New York uh, size wise for uh, uh, grapes under vine. But then you go and you look at California because they have all that Central Valley acreage and everything, right, and, right. and they're ten times our size. Yeah. So I, I don't think we'll be catching. Now, uh, it's all of California any time of my life. But you fill a different niche. I mean, and that's the really important thing to, uh, yeah. to to really drive home. Yeah, we don't really even look at or measure ourselves versus um, wines that are under $8. Yeah. So that is defined, $8 and up is defined as premium. Right. Um, so we just don't even do that because we don't have that massive uh, land where we can do seven tons right seven tons per the acre or whatever i mean we just not we're not doing that yeah yeah um so wonderful if you're just tuning in my name is mark rachette this is another bottle down on co-op radio we're talking with steve warner who is the president of the washington state wine commission uh and washington is is a passion of mine for sure um we, I'd like you, Steve, and I've had a few guests talking about Washington wine. Last week was uh, Maddie Richards from Roti Cellars in Walla Walla. We, took, we talked quite a bit about Walla Walla. I would love to get your breakdown as far as the AVAs go and maybe guide us through uh, however you want. If we want to do it kind of uh, chronologically or maybe geographically, um, I think that it'll flow naturally. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I... I... I think the best place to start would be with um, the Columbia Valley AVA. Yeah. Um, the, the Columbia Valley is, is the big major AVA, and all the other AVAs, well, most all, all the other AVAs are within the Columbia Valley AVA. Right. And uh, it was really established for the most part uh, along the lines of where the Missoula flood um, slackwater deposits were deposited after all the 
the series of Missoula floods um, some 15,000 years ago. Yeah. So that's kind of the big piece. And it's if you can imagine Washington has Seattle and the Cascade Mountains, it would be basically the, uh, an area in the lower right middle of the state to uh, about halfway down uh, on the right side of the state sure. is all of the Columbia Valley. And I'll region. post a, on the blog, I'll post a, a map of Washington State with all of the regions that we're talking about so you can follow along. Oh, that'd be great, yeah. yeah. And then our first um, our first AVA, which was in 1983, um, it was funny because in 1983 I was just down the road. I was uh, uh, enlisted in the Air Force oh. at Lackland Air Force Base. So, <laughs> um, But in 1983, the first AVA was established, the Yakima Valley AVA, yeah. and uh, it's where a significant amount of fruit comes from yeah. in, in the Yakima Valley. And it's a, it's a pretty long uh, lengthwise across the state. It's about 80 miles, roughly. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's a very historical AVA, getting that it was our first, first dip right. into it. Yeah, yeah. 19, I think we had 40 wineries back then. <laughs> wow. So, um, And then from there, I mean, if you, dry, if you get into the— So the Yakima runs from the Cascades kind of— uh, southeast and then meets up with the Columbia River at, at some Ex- point. Well, it, it kind of now it's been chopped up a little bit. Now okay. it runs into Horse Seven Hills, which runs into the Columbia. Okay. Which um, So, I mean, if we continue to go from east to west, sure. also within that AVA, um, the Yakima Valley AVA, are a couple of sub-AVAs, uh, most notably Red Mountain. Yeah. Um, Red Mountain's garnered a lot of um, acclaim yeah. because of the red wines that come out of there. It's our hottest site. Okay. Uh, by far. Um, and it also is probably where our most expensive fruit comes from. Right. <laughs> uh, because there's some, some pretty well-known vineyards up there. And Yeah, and what makes that special? I mean, is it just the heat? Is it, is it um, how, it, how it, its exposure or the growers? What, 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 is it, what is it about it? Yes. All of the above. <laughs> All of the above. No, it's, um, we've got some real pioneering growers that uh, started off up there, the Williams family, um, Jim Holmes, for example, Dick Boucher farms up there. Um, these people uh, have been at it the longest, and yeah. they know what they're doing. And the site is perfect uh, for those types of grapes. Yeah. Uh, the the wind, the the temperatures, the the aspect, everything lines up everything. perfectly, and it's a. Uh, we call it Red Mountain, but it's mostly a brown hill. Right, right, but right. Red Mountain sounds much more sexy. Right, and then it get and then it gets green, uh, uh, you know, in yeah. spots. Uh, but that and that expanded pretty uh, drastically because of water rights. It, to, to, if I recall, yeah. there, there, it was only about four hundred and fifty acres, and then expanded to what twelve hundred or so. Right. Um, yeah. About about that. Yeah, a lot of it had to do um, with the um, the neighboring county, the West Richland is what it, or city that it bumps up, and they went and they did all the work and they got the irrigation up there and and once they could get water to it they're able to expand the acreage quite a bit. Yeah. And there are some massive international players there too, right? For the, for the most part that's where a lot of uh, and it's because it, it's a real special place. Yeah, people have heard about it. I mean, uh, Todd Alexander moved up from California and he's making wine up there from Force Majeure. Uh, we've got uh, the Colsolari, which is a project with the Antonoris. Right. Yeah, we've got Aguilini's uh, have invested on Red Mountain as well. They're a, um, a significant company out of British Columbia. Oh, wow. Um, we've had interests also from, obviously, Gallo and, and Crimson Wine Group and, and Constellation and all these have... All these uh, major players are taking note of Washington. Sure, yeah. sure. And they're looking for the best places for fruit. Yeah. And I, I was just looking. It's uh, 
eight or one thousand eight hundred eighty-five acres on Red Mountain now. Wow. So you're right. You so it's, it. it's just such a tiny piece yeah. of that fifty-five thousand acres, but it's yeah. so well known. Only five inches of rain. Average wow. temperature ninety degrees. Wow, That's crazy. Wow, and so so that is really the perfect spot for Bordeaux varieties. Your, yeah, your Cab yeah. and Merlot, and yeah. 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 And then probably the the next kind of up and comer as we continue to travel from west to east, um, I would say probably uh, Horse Seven Hills. The Horse Seven Hills has has got quite a lot of um, acreage. Yeah, and it, it's beautiful. It slips right down onto the Columbia uh, River. If you look at a lot of um, uh, if you look at a lot of the very beautiful pictures that show the Columbia River, you'll like the benches. That's in uh, the Horse Seven Hills AVA. Right. Uh, we're getting lots of new plantings in that area as well. So it's kind of a plateau that 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 scoots up in between the Yakima and the and the, the Columbia River. Right. 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 As that Columbia River bends. Yeah. And, and where they come in from the Snake and everything, it's kind of sits right there. Yeah, it was so interesting when I was poking around there quite a bit uh, ten years ago and going to to Paul Shampoo's place, mm-hmm. uh, Shampoo Vineyard, which is very famous. I just saw acres and acres and acres of newly planted vineyards. And of course, it takes years until you can have a producible wine. But I, I was just shocked as to how much vineyard was going in there. I mean, you know, large for Washington, but small for California standards. Yeah, it's still going in. I mean, right now, we're, we're just about 15,000 acres wow. on, on Horse Seven Hills right now. And that, that you see that as almost one of the larger expanding regions? Yeah, I do. Um, and, and we'll talk about Walla Walla next yeah, as we're yeah. kind of going west to east, but it we're so young. I mean, when you think about the world of wine, um, to compare us to a France or an Italy or even a California, I mean, we're we're minutes old in, right, the, in right, the world right. of wine, right? I mean, the, these other guys uh, in the in the case of Europe been doing it for thousands of years. Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting that that you say that. I, I, I'm I'm going to push back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, just in in a lot of these. Something that I comment a lot on this show is a lot of really old wine cultures, because of certain, because of wars or other situations, uh, they, they, they have a relatively new wine industry. I mean, Greece, everybody talks about this thousands of years. You know, until the 60s mm. and 70s, about the same time Washington was popping up, they only had 10 wineries. Mm. Greece only had 10 wineries in the 60s. It's remarkable. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I understand your, your your point. I guess the the point I was trying to make is we, you know, going back to 1983. No, you're right. Yeah, and you're right. The culture is. Yeah, is, it didn't. Ex- I mean, my I grew up in Central Washington, and uh, you know, we wine was not a big part of our culture right. in Washington. Well, uh, well it, they were growing cherries, right? That was cherries a big thing. and apples and hops and yeah. blueberries and, and just about and potatoes and everything. Cause the agriculture there is so amazing. Yeah. Um, even uh, Welch's grapes, you know, table grapes. Right. And, and didn't really dawn on too many people back then to say, Hey, you know, we should grow grapes, you know, mm-hmm. like wine grapes, Vitis vinifera. And, uh, but when it did happen, in, you know, really we, 1983, we had 40 wineries. We've seen this, this absolute booming growth right. because not only can we make wine, we have the availability um, to even grow and expand more. Um, I was going to say these, um, because we are so relatively young, a lot of these AVAs are trying to find their way and right. what do they want to be known for? Because it's it's a both, both a, a blessing and a curse. In Washington, we can grow 70 different varieties. Wow. We, we do harvest report every year. The last report we got in, there were 70 
varieties reported. Um, so thank you for those reports, by the way. I, I look at those a lot in Washington. It's so easy to find them, and it's a real good resource for people like me. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, but you know, so these AVAs are—they're trying to find what do they what do they want to be known for, and that's right. so. I think Red Mountains pretty much narrowed in on the Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, Horse Seven Hills is really going to be Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, maybe some Chardonnay. Um, and then if we'll transition to Walla Walla, yes, please. Uh, Walla Walla is, has already um, decided they're going to be known for Cabernet, Syrah, and Merlot. Yeah. Um, at what point they narrowed in even more, I don't know. But um, Walla Walla is just <laughs> amazing. I mean, they've come a long way. Um, you know, it's one of the funny things is pre-internet and pre-cell phones and all that, I, I went off in the military in 1983, and I left for 30 years. Yeah. Um, and I came back when I started this job, they mentioned that I needed to go out to Walla Walla. And you're like, and that's, I'm that's like, so far away. <laughs> well, it, it wasn't that, but in 1983, the only two things Walla Walla was known for was the state penitentiary and sweet onions. <laughs> so the joke was whenever you said you were coming from Walla Walla, people would say, what were you in for? Right. Um, you know, fast forward 30 years, it's, uh, I think it was picked as one of America's top five destinations. Yeah. It's um, it's this amazing little town, uh, great restaurant, you know, vibrant food scene. Um, obviously, the wineries, hundreds of wineries there, yeah. amazing vineyards, um, just so much to do. Uh, it, it's a, it's a transformation. It's complete and total transformation. But it kept its uh, uniqueness, the small town uniqueness. Well, I think yeah. one of the reasons that it did that perhaps was because it's so far from Seattle. I mean, you, you kind of have to fly or or be in for a six seven hour. Uh, car ride, right? Um, I, I mean, that's one of the reasons I see that that you know wine tourism it's g- super growing in Washington, but it's still it's still not Napa. But Napa's you're you're an hour from San Francisco and you're there. You know, Washington is a little bit more spread out, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and that 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 can be a blessing if you're looking for um, more of the the really subdued uh, experience. Um, but I think that that's where I'm seeing a large piece of growth of Washington State in the next 10 years is going to probably be. Mm-hmm. And a lot of investment as well. I mean, we see major investment yeah. groups putting in um, resort-type yeah. things, which is exactly – it's not enough to just make really awesome wine and have beautiful vineyards. People want to do something yeah. after they've tasted you know, wine for sure. five hours. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so golf courses and horseback riding and mm-hmm. great food scene, um, amazing. And and they have a pretty good wine program themselves for for uh, up and coming winemakers. Yeah. Tim Donahue out there, he's fantastic. Um, he's actually going to be in one of our Taste Washington seminars. He's doing a great. we we do six each time, and he's uh, heading one up. And the the community college up there, the Walla Walla Community College, their their VIT program. Yeah. It's legit. Top notch. Yep. Absolutely. Top notch. So, and I see Walla Walla doing a good job. Like you were saying, to bring it back to the branding thing as, uh, of all the regions, Red Mountain, it's kind of it's kind of easy and obvious, and, and the producers really kind of, the wines speak for themselves. Walla Walla, there is definitely a thread of flavor, I mm-hmm. think. And uh, and they're also doing a really good job with some of their programs, their, their barrel tastings, release weekends, and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, you work a lot with the Walla Walla Wine Alliance, I yeah. believe. And, yep. and so. Walla Valley Wine Alliance. Okay. Yes, they're um, you know they're they're one of the best, um, most organized out of. We have roughly about twenty six uh, AVA and regional associations in the state. Uh, they're all membership 
Yeah. Um, so people can choose to be part of them or not. And right. um, there's probably about four or five of them that have full-time people or at least part-time people um, yeah. that are helping set the strategy and implementation. And Walla Walla is definitely one of them. Yeah. I, I put Woodenville in there, uh, Red Mountain and Yakima Valley and probably be the, the four that have that kind of full-time help. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So Woodenville has kind of gotten uh, together and, and decided that they, they need, you know, somebody in a, in a marketing effort on mm-hmm. their own. We should mention Walla Walla, uh, I'm sorry, Woodenville is just 45 minutes outside of Seattle and it's the home to how many wineries? Dozens. Oh gosh, we're, we're probably about 120 now. 120. And 120 and it's 25 minutes outside of 25 downtown. Minutes. Yeah. Outside of downtown Seattle. It's, it's, um, it's the, Largest concentration of wineries within a major metropolitan sit area, you know, basically, um, in the world. Yeah. I mean, it's nowhere else in the world can you drive 25 minutes. So what what ends up hap- happening, because 99.9% of our fruit is grown on the east side, and people can't really get that. It's like seeing a picture of the Grand Canyon. You, you, know, you can't really, <laughs> until you're in the vineyard and, and you, you feel the, the terroir, and yeah. you, know, you can't really describe it that well but what happens is when people are visiting seattle they'll take the 25 minute drive and they'll taste the wines and it's it's almost like a gateway drug and then they go okay well i want to come back and i want to go over i want to see the vineyards and i want to go to walla walla i want to go to red mountain or poor seven hills or yakima valley or right and so so these wineries in in woodenville are oftentimes in industrial parks they're they're the true garagista wineries right yeah yeah, that's that's how it all started that's how it all began yeah um now there's different parts of woodenville there's the 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 garage yeah right right of course Uh, there's more the downtown where the circles are where there were more upscale tasting rooms um and wineries and then there's a uh there's another part of Woodenville that's starting to pop up now as well. Oh, cool. So yeah, you can, you can go up there and spend a day. It's very easy. easy. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. And, and you have everything, uh, really close and, and also some good restaurants there popping up as well. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. So, um, so we kind of mentioned Walla Walla, anything else that, that, uh, we want to convey about Walla Walla, the, this, it's kind of its own, um, unique community, I would say. I, it I, is. It's like a. It's almost like a throwback in time. Um, <laughs> you, it's, it's like you'd see on the Andy Griffiths show or something like that. It's just very quaint, yeah. uh, very friendly. Uh, the weather's fantastic. The food and wine are fantastic. And if you're going there, you're going there to relax, and it has a very relaxing vibe to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. And and of course, you already mentioned Cab, Bordeaux varieties, and Syrah. Syrah, they're making a, a, a big mark with, I see. They are. It's, um, you know, some of the winemakers there are just so incredibly talented. Yeah. And the Syrah that's coming out of the Walla Walla Valley AVA is, is just tremendous. Um, but there's n- no way around it. I mean, Syrah is just... If you like Syrah, you got to have a Washington Syrah. You yeah. just you just have to. Right, right. Yeah. Well, um, cool. So so those are almost some of the most acclaimed wines, um, uh, regions, wine regions. Can can we uh, talk about maybe some of the newer ones or more obscure ones, and anything that you're really interesting at, uh, interested about, or, or you're seeing interest from the winemaker side of things? Yeah, yeah. So um, the one that's kind of out on its own is the Puget Sound AVA. So that's a pretty significant size-wise AVA. 
not much under under Vine, and the stuff that's under Vine is you know, like your your Muir Turgal and stuff Mueller, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, Madeline stuff, Angevine. Yeah, exactly. Weird, not, weird wet climate, uh, German. Maybe variety. some Pinot occasionally, but um, there's a not a lot. So what is interesting is a lot of these uh, wineries over on the peninsula, they'll get their fruit from the east side, bring it back, crush it in their winery, and. and so people can go out to the islands and enjoy an awesome glass of wine, yeah, a wine yeah. that they'll know, like a Cab or Merlot or, or Chardonnay. Um, but it's it's a commitment because they've got to they got to pick up their fruit at like three a.m. Oh, I know, and drive it all the way over, and then sometimes take a ferry from there uh, and then get it to their. I don't know how those guys do it. They do it every oh, year. They just good thing there's harvest only once a year because <laughs> those guys they put some miles on their trucks. Yeah, um, uh, you go over the pass in um, during harvest in October, and you see just truckload after truckload of, of grapes. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, so we should say, you know, that that <laughs> when these grapes are harvested in the morning, they come off pretty cold, mm-hmm. and then and, and even though it's a relatively long truck ride, it doesn't impact the fruit at all because of that that cold morning temperature, right? Yeah, and that's, a, that's actually a really good point. I mean, we were talking about um, climate, and I pulled some more climate data. Yeah. Um, just to have some comparative uh, look-see. Yeah, I love um, comparative stuff. So I went and I pulled um, five years, the last five years' worth of temperature data for the months of July, August, September, and October for Columbia Valley, for Bordeaux, and for Napa. Yeah. So in July and August, uh, the mean temperature in, in the Columbia Valley is about 75 degrees. So it's the hottest right? compared to Bordeaux, which is uh, less than that, and then also Napa Valley, which is... Quite a bit less than that. And this is the last five years average. Yeah. I didn't go back much further than that. Just sure, because I sure. think this is more relative. But then what happens in Washington is as you hit September and October, the temperature just drops off the cliff. Yeah. So the average temperature in October was 55 degrees compared to um, Bordeaux, which was a, a little above 60, and then uh, Napa Valley, which was cl- closing in on 65. So there's a significant drop yeah, off. And, and that and helps. With that, maintain the acidity, yeah. and 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 then it helps preserve the fruit when 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 they're being trucked all over the state. Right? Exactly. Steve Warner, this is such a pleasure to have you here. Uh, if you're just tuning in, we're talking with Steve Warner, who is the president of the Washington State Wine Commission. My name is Mark Rayshap. This is another bottle down on Co-op Radio. Let's take a short break, and and we'll be back talking about the wine regions of Washington State. All right, we are back uh, talking here about Washington State Wine with Steve Warner, who is the president of the Washington State Wine Commission, the organization that is uh, promoting and uh, building awareness amongst the 900 and some odd wineries that are now in Washington State. Incredible, 55,000 acres uh, that they are touting. And we we talked in the past 15 minutes about some of the more well-known AVAs. So I'd love to to get into um, some of these more unique areas. And Mm -hmm. and we also mentioned the Puget Sound um, um, and and some of the cooler areas. I I do have a question about the Puget Sound before we move on. Is, is there anybody looking to the Puget Sound uh, for maybe 10, 20 years from now as a place that might, uh, with global war, with climate change, uh, be taking over? You know, if Oregon kind of moves up a little bit, 
Um, you know, it doesn't quite have the coastal mountain range that Oregon has to protect it, but but are people looking at that in with climate change or not yet? I, I think they're talking about it. <laughs> talking, I, yeah, not they're looking. talking about it. They're talking about looking. Um, <laughs> there, we we see more vineyards going in. Um, in the Puget Sound AVA. I don't know if it has that much forethought to it that they're thinking 10, 15 years down the road, but I think people they're are still growth. interested. Yeah, they're yeah. seeing growth. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll keep a close eye, but the, the climate uh, 10 years from now, we can't predict, but yeah. at least they know they got a place to go. Right, right. Yeah, that's, they got yeah, a place to go. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, okay, so then back onto the other side of the mountains, Columbia uh, River Valley, uh, larger AVA. What are what are some of those smaller areas that you see people getting excited about wines, more single vineyard or single designated wines coming from? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, well, there's a couple different sets. When, when we bring um, groups of sommeliers in, for example, yeah. They seem to get really excited about the Columbia Gorge and what's going on down in the Columbia Gorge. So right there around Hood River yeah. area, um, the wines that are coming out of the gorge. And that ba- that that borders, it's basically uh, Washington and the Oregon side. Yes, and it borders. it's cross-border AVA. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the wines that are coming out of there are just fantastic. Um, so, uh, How are they different? Chardonnay. Yeah. Chardonnay. Yeah, it's, well, because it's cooler sites. So you're, you're seeing a lot more delicate chardonnay that's coming out of there um it's we've got a couple of uh really well-known vineyards up there that um know what they're doing they know that land very well uh whenever we've taken like a matt stamp down there or jeff cruz or whatever they they tend to really enjoy uh the wines coming out of there yeah um as a matter of fact i think we did a master class where we traveled around and and uh we had several wines from the columbia gorge are fantastic. Excellent. Maybe yeah. a little bit harder to find, but uh, but certainly, um, you know, if if you do, they're, they're worth checking out. Yeah, get yeah. it's getting easier to find. Okay, um, it's not quite as hard as it was before, um, but still, uh, it's so a little cooler Chardonnay, Pinot, some Pinot Noir, maybe, um, but but really focused on the whites. Yes. Yeah. Most mostly on the whites. Yeah. Okay. The um, I was just looking also another one that that. Um, people get a little bit excited about since we're talking about whites is ancient lakes of the Columbia Valley. So it's, it's Northern part of the Columbia Valley AVA. And it's where a lot of the white wines, um, the Rieslings in particular come out of. And uh, right now it's about 1600 acres, but it's a, it's right in the middle of the state. It's known for uh, having this cooler uh, climate so to speak, uh, particularly compared to like and contrasted against a red mountain. I mean, it's, it's night totally and day. different ball yeah. game. Yeah. Night and day. And, and so Riesling that likes a little cooler climate and, and, uh, but they, they're, they're growing Riesling in a, a variety of areas mm. uh, in Washington state. Yeah. And it's becoming somewhat of a flagship yeah. to a certain ex- yeah. degree. Well, it's, it's, um, our 2015 data for our harvest. Um, we, it was the first year that reds passed whites. It used to be, we were a white dominant, but Cabernets come on like right big know, time, b- big time in both acreage and tons harvested. Yeah. And yeah, um, Chardonnay up until a while ago, Chardonnay was the most planted yeah. grape, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, and it's still up there. It's, it's still, still top two white, and and then Merlot and uh, Cab are the top two reds. Yeah, and, and people don't quite talk that much about about uh, Chardonnay from Washington State. I mean, I, I, I don't hear, but is 
you know, I think that it, Chardonnay is such a hard one to, everybody loves it, but, but styles between California or white burgundy are so drastically different that the identity is hard to kind of nail. Yeah. 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 And it, and it can vary, as you know, from producer to producer, even sure. with fruit out of the same vineyard. I mean, Woodward Canyon, uh, they have a Salilo designate uh, Chardonnay that's fantastic. Right. Yeah. It's just, just amazing. Yeah. Um, but anyways, it's, it's, you're making me thirsty. Yeah, man. I know, right? You're making me thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> so Ancient Lakes is where we're starting to see a lot of interest for, for Riesling. Yeah. Um, what's going on? There's even also like Lake Chelan, which is a popular kind of summer uh, escape uh, area as well. Um, do you see interest there? Or sometimes these AVAs kind of come on and then the winemakers don't, in, don't necessarily embrace them to the full extent. Uh, I don't know if that's the case with Lake Chelan. Well, Lake Chelan's interesting because you know how we talked about uh, wooden or Walla Walla having the benefit of of this kind of wine tourism, wine adjacencies popping up. Right. Well, Lake Chelan had that already built in, yeah. so they were a a tourist destination long before they were a wine yeah. destination. Uh, as a matter of fact, when I was a kid, we had a standing reservation at Campbell's Resort there on the lake for twenty plus years. <laughs> yeah. And just yeah. Um, that's just what families did. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they got some winemakers um, who said, hey, I, you know, we should take advantage of this and open some wineries. And that's exactly what they're doing. I mean, they're known mostly for the Syrah and Merlot. I've seen also some uh, more Italian-style varieties as well bouncing around up there. Yeah. Um, the good thing about that is um, they, they can grow. They're only about 270 acres right now, but they've got room to grow, yeah. and they've got a built-in consumer audience available and what I've seen the last couple times that I've gone up there is the families will go and then the kids will be swimming or playing by the pool or whatever. And the adults will go, hey, I'm going off. We're going to go do a little wine tasting. Right. right. And uh, they go out and they do some wine tasting. Yeah. Um, and there's, uh, I want to say, 20 or 30 wineries and tasting rooms that are easily accessible. And parents grab a couple bottles of wine, come back. You know, yeah, have a little picnic by the lake and life is life good. Life is good. That's <laughs> what it's all about. I'm going to ask you about uh, a region that I think is very interesting that, that's almost like a single vineyard or so. I mean, Upland uh, Vineyard and, and Snipes Mountain. Is that, are, are we seeing, that, that's home to, to one of the oldest uh, vineyards in Washington. Am I, am I correct on that? Yeah. Yeah, that is. So that's uh, the Newhouse family. Yeah. Uh, it basically, uh, the majority of what's planted up there is owned by the Newhouse family. It's yeah. called Upland. And they also have a, a label uh, for a wine up there. And oh. Todd Newhouse is very active in the, uh, the wine industry and, and uh, uh, mostly on the grower side. Yeah. But it's, a, it's an amazing, amazing little AVA. It's tiny. It's not right. much bigger than uh, Red Mountain. But it's, it's um, right smack dab in the middle. It's, it's, um, it's basically uh, has this real unique uh, topography and distinct soils. Right. Uh, geologists go nuts going up there. They just love, I mean, they just So they we're just within nuts. the Yakima Valley, just this 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 unique situation. Yeah, and, yeah, and it's really cool. Um, it's about 500, or no, excuse me, 800 acres. Okay. Mostly Chardonnay and Cabernet. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, he's, Todd's up there and he's doing good stuff. I mean, people love his fruit. Yeah. And um, to the point now, it's really kind of a, a, a unique point to bring up is because the grower winemaker relationship is so unique in Washington that um, you're starting to see a lot more brand uh, winemakers want to put 
um, vineyards on their label. Right. And and you now you can look for Upland Vineyard. Yeah. On and and that's a great label to have, or a Boucher or a Ciel de Cheval or whatever. And and uh, the the funny flip side part of that is um, these growers are becoming kind of the rock stars. And they've got a waiting list for people who want their fruit. Right. So now they're coming and they're saying, "Well, let me taste your wine first before I sell you yeah. my fruit." Wow. Because they want to make sure that these, you know, the people are selling their fruit to is gonna they're gonna you know, showcase they're gonna it showcase well. it yeah. do it well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to interview to to. to oh uh, yeah. Almost. I don't want to make it seem like that <laughs> no, harsh, no, no, but no. yeah, it's. Uh, I kind of don't blame them. Well, I mean, yeah. they're, they've been at it for forty years, and they don't want to sell yeah. you know, their fruit to somebody who's going to turn it into uh, vinegar. It's a weird thing. You you, you have to rely on another uh, person or a business to, to to show the public what you do. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a yeah. tricky thing. Yeah. Um, there's something about, I will mention just my uh, past with, with uh, Snipes Mountain and Upland Vineyard is the wines tend to have this silky, sensuous character that that you almost don't find anywhere else mm-hmm. I mean, that and, and that's how i i can usually pick out blind upland vineyard uh because of that just complete silkiness yeah. uh which which i think is really cool it's it's really cool yeah i'm on a <laughs> i'm on a bit of a grenache kick right now and i look for upland grenache on the bottles oh, and, okay. yeah yeah well let's mention spanish varieties as 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 well so you know uh Syrah or you know, Spanish or, or Rhone varieties, Grenache and Syrah are doing really well in Washington as a whole, right? Uh, and, and, you know, we, we're seeing Riesling is, is really exciting. What, what on the red side do you see kind of has gone from zero to, to 120 in, in five seconds, you know? Um, yeah, you know, that's... Um, Tempranillo, I see some more Tempranillo coming out. Yeah, I mean, the growth rates... Um First and foremost, I mean, this Cabernet Sauvignon came out of nowhere. It went up 50% year on year. Um, it just, because everybody knows Cab, right? right? Yeah. I mean, it's a big consumer. And it does well there. I mean, well, and it the does well. Yeah. And, and it does well at a certain price. So we saw the most growth come out of our Cab. Um, the Merlot and the Syrah continue uh, to do well, but things like Cab Franc have, have popped. Things yeah. like Grenache have popped. Grenache Blanc. Um, they're, they're much smaller base, granted, but... People are taking an interest in them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And are there some wineries that are almost trying to brand themselves as as focus on this or that, or um, or you don't see that you, as much? You you can see that from time to time. I mean, they're they're in business, so they they also have to they also have to generate cash flow. Sure. So, um, but you do see houses like um, Gramercy, for yeah. example. I mean, Greg focuses on the Rhone. He focuses very heavily. On Syrah, yeah, um, you know he's a master sommelier. I don't know if you know the story of Greg Harrington, but he's, he came out on on a fam trip to Washington and uh, told went back home to New York City where he was a master psalm. You know, yeah. had the world at his feet, basically young guy, handsome guy, uh, hardworking guy, and um, went back and told his wife, said, "Hey, and." and I want to put together a plan to move out to Washington and start my own winery. And uh, he goes, I'm thinking it'll take probably about five to eight years, something like that. And she goes, if you do that, you'll never go. Let's just go. And so they they literally packed up, sold everything, and moved out to Washington and and started Gramercy Cellars. And now he's 
living the dream, making Syrah. And he's a great ambassador for, for, for those wines and, and for the region as a whole, you know, to have that credibility. Mm. Um, because he really, he really believed in it and, and still, still does. It's, it's remarkable. Yeah. And his wines are great, yeah. you know. We, we've, had, we've been blessed with um, just that whole community of sommeliers and, and uh, wine um, geeks, for lack yeah. of a better term. And we've got a lot in Washington. Uh, I think Letty Teague did a, uh, uh, a newspaper article on trying to determine why we have so many psalms up there, advanced yeah. psalms and master psalms and everything. She attributed to the amount of coffee and the dreary uh, winters. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, you're just going to drink wine all winter, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that there is actually a, a really interesting thing about the community of sommeliers and the restaurants there you know they have these really strong tasting groups and and that that <laughs> is a really big building you know the building block to the industry and not not unlike austin uh, has you know really strong kind of community between their sommeliers they're so similar they yeah. are there i mean that's one of the reasons why uh, we made this our focus market for the next couple of years yeah it's just there's so many similarities it just seems so natural for us to come down here just the the approachability of our winemakers and just wanting to come down here the 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 psalm community down here yeah. the restaurant scene down here um you guys like wine you like to have a good time you don't take yourselves too seriously yeah it's like it's check 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 yeah so we can do this it's perfect uh, yeah well it's i perfect. like i love having you guys down here um hey before we we've got a few minutes left i, I want to get um, we've been having this in-depth uh, talk about these AVAs, uh, which are the wine region, the official wine regions, and what there's a few uh, that are on the books, right? And may, a lot of people might not know these that that they're, you know, it takes years to get an AVA approved, and so the so wineries have to, you know, they have to apply and and have history and have all this stuff. But there's some exciting things going on. In that in that front, I hear. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. So first of all, I, just as a, a clarifier, I have nothing to do with the AVA stuff. Sure, yeah. right. That's all handled by the TTB, and right, yeah. and uh, we have um, we have no say in it. We don't even know when people apply because anybody can essentially apply. I'm going to chime in here because the proposed AVAs. There are four that are online. Uh, is not really Steve's uh, jurisdiction, but I did a little bit of research. I find them very fascinating. And I know a lot of listeners, if you've made it this far in the podcast, you would be very interested. So uh, they are Candy Mountain. That was the kind of the first one to be proposed recently. That is a little bit west of Red Mountain, still part of the Yakima Valley. Then you have the Royal Slope, which is north of the Waluk Slope. And that garnered a lot of fame when Charles Smith had his wine come out and got 100 points called Royal City. So that's part of the Royal Slope. Uh, the next one up was is the Burn of Columbia Valley. And that is in kind of the south part of the state, west of the Horse Heaven Hills and east of the Columbia River Gorge. And it's essentially farmed basically just by Columbia Crest. Uh, they are focusing on Cabernet Sauvignon, and it is uh, they're they're starting to make a wine from there called uh, Born of Fire. So a nice little play play with words from uh, with the burn of Columbia Valley, and a very unique place. They used to burn the the wheat crop every year uh, to make uh, you know to to renew the land for the next year's crop. That's where the name comes from. 
Then finally, you have the White Bluffs proposed AVA, and that is uh, a little north of Richland and the Tri-Cities, essentially where the Columbia River hooks around. Uh, It's on the eastern bank of the Columbia River, and uh, it, it's it's basically an escarpment of sedimentary rock and and white soil types. So uh, and, and that encompasses the very famous Sagemore Vineyard, uh, giving recognition to that. So those are the four proposed AVAs. Hey, Steve Warner, president of the Washington State Wine Commission. Any final thoughts uh, th- that um, we we missed, or or any other messaging uh, to get to get across? Well, just uh, want to thank everybody for their hospitality. I mean, it's um, it, it makes it tough to go home. Everybody's so nice here, and the food's so good. It's just it's not doing. It's not helping my sleep much. And, and though. Our January and February weather is pretty darn good. Yeah, too. I sat by the pool today before I came over here. I'm just like, this is. People thought I was nuts because you know, first of all, who's this white whale out there on the chair? But I felt like I got a chance to get some vitamin D. I was going to get some. Yeah, great, yeah. great. Well, thank you so much for being here, and we'll keep on looking to uh, Washington wines for for just amazing quality and great value. Thank you. I appreciate that part. Yep. All right. Well, uh, stay in touch, and uh, and we'll keep on uh, doing what we do.